0: Good morning, good to see you guys. hope everybody's doing well today. Um, we started a series last week uh, called Freedom, and uh, we're going to continue in that this morning. Um, last week we started with Galatians chapter 5, and if you got got your Bible, we'll, we'll go ahead and read Galatians chapter 5 uh, this morning. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 1. And this is what Paul writes. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so we were created for freedom. We were created uh, to be people that live in liberty. And um, this morning we're going to continue in this. Now, how many of you guys like playgrounds? Or at least you used to. I mean, you've been hurt on enough playgrounds, you don't go there anymore, there's not enough insurance in the world for you to get on a playground, right? Um, you know, I love, I love, I love, I loved getting on playgrounds, slides, monkey bars, jungle gym, all that kind of stuff where you're hanging, you know, and uh, you're just kind of trying to, I used to be able to carry my body weight, I can't now, now I need like four or five people to carry my body weight across there, but. Uh, I used to like to get on the slides you know I think last time we went and did a youth camp in Tennessee and uh, the students we took up to put on the youth camp with uh, I was kind of we were kind of running around the campground that night and, and I got on one of those slides and I went to go to go through the slide, and like my shoulders got stuck in the slide, and so I'm just kind of I'm just kind of hanging there. And they're like, "Aren't you coming down?" I'm like, "I guess not," you know. So it's a little bit different now for me being on the slide. But um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen. There is a slide that has reopened in Detroit um at, at uh, I think it's called Bell Island Park anybody ever been to Bell Island Park and seen this slide you know anybody know what I'm talking about at all okay yeah some of you guys have seen seen the seen the slide so i want to show you this video real quick about what this slide is all about do you play that Poor kid, man. <laughs> Grandmama trying to come down the slide holding his head, you know. Uh, anybody? You kind of been on slides like that before? You know? Yeah, yeah. All right. It, and uh, and so I th- when I saw this, uh, I thought, this is a great picture of freedom because there's a lot of freedom on this slide. People are just going everywhere. Um, but uh, I thought about it in a more specific way with kind of where we're headed today. And uh, I think this is a great picture of how we get ourselves. Into um, bondage in situations of sin. Um, you say, How in the world has that got anything to do with sin? And so just, just hold with me here. Uh, it'll make sense in just a minute. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 47. Um, and so we've been talking about, we started last week talking about how God is the God who wants to bring us out of slavery. And, and God has a long history of bringing his people out of slavery and into freedom and into liberty. And um, we see that history. We see that through the stories of the children of Israel in Egypt. But I asked this question: How did they become slaves in the first place? How did they become slaves in the first place? And it it wasn't like they just kind of dropped in and like, hey, okay, now now you're in slavery. It it wasn't uh, it wasn't like that. It's it's almost like uh, it wasn't a kick off the cliff it was more of a subtle slide into it and um that's kind of when i begin to see i begin to think about this begin to think about how you know captivity is it is a subtle slide cuz nobody just jumps into something and says hey i want to be addicted hey i want to be in bondage hey i want to be you know i want to be held by something um that just for the rest of my life that i can never get out of um and, and so that's how captivity is. Captivity is a, is, is a lot of times is that subtle slide into it. And I think that's what we see here with the story of the children of Israel. So let's go to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis 47 and verse 27. And this is, this is just want to read one verse. And it says, Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Do you see that? How did they become slaves? How, d- how did they become slaves? They did what? They settled in. They settled in. And it wasn't like this drop into it. It was just like this kind of that slow move into uh, this this thing of slavery. And it was something that I don't think they realized was happening. Um, Because they became a slave long before they ever became a slave to Pharaoh. They were a slave to the Egyptian culture. They became a slave to the Egyptian culture where they saw everything that was around them. They were uh, mesmerized by it. They were taken in by it. Uh, It was a powerful nation. They uh, were flourishing as a nation. And so... Israel just settled right in. And when I think of settling in, this is the picture that I get of settling in. I think of it being cold and maybe rainy outside, and I think about having this nice, big, comfy chair. Anybody got a nice, big, comfy chair that you like to sit in? And you get in that chair, and you get your blanket on a cold day, you know, and you get your warm cocoa, right, and you kind of snuggle in. You know, I don't know about y'all. I get, like, in a corner, you know, where I got, like, like all the cushions like on my, my back and I'd like snuggle in and you just settle in right that's kind of how I feel like it was they just kinda settled in and they were there and they they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to they didn't want to get up and move. But they they were there for a reason right why were they there in the first place? Why did they go to Egypt in the first place? It was because they uh were going down there was a famine in the land, right? And so God used that trip into Egypt to actually help save them. But really what you find is that um, Israel helped save Egypt because of Joseph. Joseph and the wisdom that God gave him actually helped give Pharaoh wisdom to know what to do, to know how to store things, and uh, so it actually helped save both nations. It helped save uh, Israel and it helped save Egypt. But see, they were not supposed to just go become Egyptians. That wasn't the idea. It wasn't that God was sending them there. Hey, this is where you're going. This is where you're going to be now. This is where you're going to be forever. That was not it. And so many times that's kind of how we wind up getting into a mess is because it's someplace where we didn't intend to be, but we wound up settling in. And I think it's a dangerous slide into a place, and it's a dangerous slide into captivity. And so they, they settled in. Israel became slaves to a culture long before they ever became slaves to Pharaoh. See, our values will determine our time, our energies, and our effort. Our, what we value will determine where we spend our time, what we put our energies into, and what we put effort into. And so those things that we value. What are those things that you value? What are those things that you you really want to put your time into? See, those can be the they they can be the things that we begin to worship. Are those things that we begin to put our time into? Those things that we put great value into. It can become idols for us. You say, "Well, I don't worship idols. We we worship all kinds of stuff. We can we can worship sports. We can worship football. We can worship you know. And I love football. At least I didn't yesterday, but you know, but I." My team stinks, right? I worship, you know, I, I have worshiped that the altar of football because I loved it, right? And, and it's taken time. And you think about those things that, that you have spent maybe time on. You like, man, I've spent way too much time on this. You know, I've given way too much energy to this. So our values will determine our time, our energies, and our efforts. And we wind up, can wind up worshiping things that uh, when we put great value into it. In Israel, what they began to do is they began to forget. They began to forget who they were and why they were there in the first place. That was really it. They forgot who they were and why they were there in the first place, and they just settled in and stayed. You just think about it. Think about if, if what it says right here is, is true, and it says Israel settled in the land and they gained possessions. What slaves own a house? What, what slaves really own possessions, Right? If you think about what what kind of slave, then also um, they have a representative with the king. So it was something that they just kind of it slid into. It wasn't this drop off into slavery, and they begin to walk into something. They begin to walk in a new life. Begin to walk in a different pattern. There's a lady that I, I bought her book. Uh, her name is Danielle Strickland, and she wrote this book called The Ultimate Exodus. Finding freedom from what enslaves you. And in this, she outlines three things that hold us back from finding freedom. And I, I thought it made a lot of sense, and I want to share that with you this morning. The first thing that she said that one of those things that hold us back from finding freedom is what she called geographical cures. Geographical cures. Geographical cures are basically this it is, I just need a change of scenery. The lie is, I could, uh, if I could only move to a better place, then I would have a better life or I would have a better reality. If I could just be someplace else, then I could be somebody else and it would be better for me, right? And so we think that. We think that sometimes just having a change of scenery is, is what's going to fix it for us. But this is something you have to understand. You can't run away from you. You can run away from a lot of people, but you can't run away from you. And and sometimes we can look and say, well, I just got to get out of here. Once you go to that next place, you are still going to be you just in a different place. And so she called it geographical cures, that these things that we think, I just need a change of scenery. G.K. Chesterton, he said this. He he asked the question, he said, what's wrong with the world? He said, I am. He said, I am what's wrong with the world. And he began to look at himself and began to look and take an account and says, you know what, when when I look at the things that are wrong, a lot of times it comes back to me. It comes back to the things that I have allowed, the things I have gotten involved in. See, Moses tried to run away, didn't he? Moses tried to run away. He tried to fix it first in himself. He tried to fix it in his pride. He thought, look at me. I am the prince of Egypt, right? ever seen the Prince of Egypt movie? Yeah, it was a great movie. All right, two of us, right? And so he's the prince of Egypt, and he goes out, and he says, I'm going to fix this thing, right? I'm, I'm, God has, has dropped me in here, and I'm going I'm to deliver my, uh, my people. And what he does is he winds up getting in trouble. And not just getting in trouble, he becomes a fugitive, and he goes on the run from Pharaoh, and he's running for his life. And so Moses tried to run away only to have to confront the same old Moses in a different place, right? Only to have to confront the same old thing in a different place. God brought him to the backside of the desert, and he was still the same Moses, and he had to confront those things in Moses. Say, Moses, these are the things in you that we've got to fix. These are things in you that we have to deal with. So you have to start with you. You have to deal with you. So there's geographical cures that uh, we think can uh, fix us, but actually they wind up holding us back from freedom. The second thing that she outlined was this. She talked about in her book, she talked about the relationship remedy. The relationship remedy, um, and it goes like this. It's like if, if it's not where you live, it must be who you live with, right? If it's not where I live, it must be who I am living with. Go ahead and look around you. Look at the people who live in your house, right? All right. It must be your fault, right? <laughs> Don't say that. Just think that. It must be your fault because we've thought that sometimes. Uh, maybe you have, maybe not. Uh, maybe if you only had a different spouse. Maybe if you had different friends. Maybe if you had a different church. You know, maybe if you had fill in the blank. What is it? What is that for you? And we look around and we say, maybe it's just, it's, it's, it's them. It's all them. It's their fault. It's, it's never my fault. It's always somebody else. It's always someone else's job to make you free. That's what you feel. You always feel like it's somebody else's job and somebody else's task to make you free. And let's, let's be clear. I do believe God brings us to freedom. I do believe we need God to bring us into deliverance. Children of Israel needed God to deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But let me tell you what happened here is that God opens the door. He kicks the door wide open. He splits the sea. But the children of Israel still have to get up and walk out. They still have to get up and walk through the, through the sea that God has made a path for them. And so it doesn't discount what we have to do in ourselves as well, that there's this, this part of us that we have to follow the plan. We can't look at somebody else and just say, well, it's your fault that I'm not free. No, you have to also get up and walk too. Even as God delivered his people from Egypt, they still had to make the decision to walk out. So you have these geographical cures that she says we, we tried to lean on. I just need a different place. Uh, or these relational remedies where I just need different people. Then she goes on and she outlines a third one, and she says we go into this self-pity party. The self-pity party is is um, the pity party of no one else has ever been as bad as I am. No no one else has ever had the situation that I have now. No one has ever had it as bad. No one has ever experienced the pain that I have experienced. And you just start playing it over and over and over and see this lie is rooted in narcissism. It's 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 rooted in a very self centered, uh, almost kind of a prideful inversion. Uh, when you look at pride, pride is is where Moses was at at the beginning. Pride is where Pharaoh was at, and he says, I, "I'm everything. I am everything." And so when you get to this point, though, it's almost like it's inverted, and it's like you're still self centered, but it's like no one has ever had it as bad as me. Maybe I'm not as, maybe not everybody is as great as me. Well, nobody has ever had it as bad as me. So it's almost like a race to the bottom, and it's a race to this self-pity party. I had a friend that, his name is Tommy Smith, um, and he was a missionary in the Philippines. And Tommy told me that he pastored this church in the Philippines uh, for a number of years, and he had this this pastor, uh, Pastor Sammy was uh, one of the, the one of the guys who kind of helped helped him run the church and Tommy was was working on this this little truck that he had that th- they did the ministry in he had a motorcycle then he had this little truck and he, uh, Pastor Sammy came by one day and Tommy was just fiddling with his truck and fussing with his truck and he was he was you know just uh, just aggravated he had a flat tire trying to get the flat tire fixed and Pastor Sammy came up and said hey Pastor Tommy how you doing. And Pastor Tommy's like, I'm not doing very good today. I got a flat tire. And he just went on complaining about everything that he had go wrong, right? Have you ever been there? Yeah, we've all been there where we've just complained about everything that we've had go wrong, everything that is broken, everything that is messed up. And and so Pastor Sammy looks at him and says, oh, Pastor, it's like you're having a, having a rough time, you know. And Tommy looked at him and just said, he just said, Pastor Sammy, why are you always so happy? You know, why are you always, you always got joy, you know. He's like, he's like you know, he looked at him, he's like, you don't even have, he had a bicycle, Pastor Sammy did, he said, you don't even have a truck, you know, you're riding this bicycle, he said, that's right, Pastor Tommy's like, I don't have a truck, he's like, but I also don't have a flat tire, right? (laughs) And it's like, that perspective, and it really, it made sense to me, I'm thinking, "All right, quit having a pity party, and for Tommy it was, hey, stop having a pity party, and look at everything that God has given you, and be grateful for what God has given you, And, and so, There is this this self-pity party that we jump into sometimes. But humility is really what we need. Humility is the ultimate posture that prepares us for freedom. Humility is that ultimate um, posture where we don't say, look at me. Look how great I am. Or actually say, look at me. Look at what I really am. Right? Isn't that difficult for us to say? Isn't that difficult for us to really, we always want to put out the best side. Anybody, you got a social media account? Come on. uh, All right, right. And how many of y'all only post the good-looking pictures? Right? How many of you, when somebody takes a picture, say, "Uh uh-uh, let me see it, let me see it? No, you delete that. Let's take it again, right? Or you got to put a filter on it. Or you got to stretch it out, right? You know, (laughs) make us look skinnier. You know, put some hair on that, you know, us I don't know what yours are, but I know what mine are. And, and, and so, but we, we all have to take that ultimate look and say, this is who I really am. And, and that's really what humility is about, is being able to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. And, and humility, if you want to describe it like this, humility is a choice we make to come into agreement with God about who we are. It's really when we come into agreement with God and said, God, you know. You know him. I can put on a face. I can put on the game. I can try to act like everything's okay. But, God, you really know. So, God, I'm going to humble myself. And that's exactly what Moses had to do. Moses, before he could be used by God, he had to humble himself. He had to humble himself before he came before Pharaoh. And it was a picture of contrast when you look at Moses standing before Pharaoh because there you have Moses who is now humbling himself and says, God, this this is who I am. I'm just whatever I am. It's whatever you've given me to be. And then you have Pharaoh who's standing there and says, I'm great king. And no, I'm not letting anybody go because they belong to me. And you have humility. And what God does to pride is this, is he humiliates Pharaoh. Where Moses took the posture and the position of of being humble, God brought Pharaoh down. He had to humiliate him. And so when you start looking at this contrast, humility is a choice we make to come into an agreement with God about who we are. And when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when God can start something new. When we come to the end of, God, this is it, I can't, I'm, that's when God could say, now let's start fresh and anew. If you look at the children of Israel, if you look at just uh, Jewish people in general, they have a lot of festivals that they celebrate. There's a lot of, they have their own calendar that they go by, and so they'll keep all these festivals. Do you know why they keep these festivals? It's because they're just party people right? Yeah, right? <laughs> They're just party people. No, it's because they keep these festivals so that they can remember. I actually had someone come to me who's Jewish in the first service, and she told me, she says, you know what? She's like, when we keep these festivals, when, when we go into Passover, she's like, and we recite all these things, we tell the story again. She's like, we don't tell the story as, as it happened to them. She says, we tell the story and we say us, we say me. It's got to become personal. And and for, for Israel, they had to remember who they were. See, God's goal is not just to get you out of Egypt. He must also get Egypt out of you. God's goal is to get Egypt out of you and not just to trade you from being in one place to another place and you stay the same person. See, what happened was this, is the longer that they stayed in Egypt, the longer that they learned the practices of the Egyptians, the longer that they learned the culture of the Egyptians, the longer they learned the gods of the Egyptians, and they began to forget who they were. They began to forget why they were there. And so what God had to do is he had to pull them out and help them unlearn things. He had to help them relearn things. They had to relearn who they were. They had to relearn why they were there in the first place. And so as God is bringing them out, you see God taking them through this process of helping them unlearn the ways of Egypt. And God does the same thing with us. There are times when we're having to unlearn the ways of this world that we live in because we have become so accustomed to it. In Romans chapter 12, and I want to read this out of the message version. Um, can you put that that up there, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I love the way this reads in the message. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Next verse. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Go. There we go, right here. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. See, that's it. That's where they were at. That's how they became slaves. They became so well-adjusted to the culture around them. They became so well-adjusted to everything around them that they just began to live out the pattern of the Egyptians. So you and I know what that's like. How do you become slaves? You settle in. You settle in to the life around you. You settle in to just doing things a certain way, thinking certain patterns of thought. You settle in to just holding the grudge. You settle in to this thing of unforgiveness. You just settle in and just say, I'm just going to hang on to it. And you become a slave to it after a while. See, nobody wakes up one morning and says, I just want to be a slave to pattern of thank you. I want to be a slave to substance abuse. We don't do that. We settle in. Because it's that slide of just going from, man, this this is not that bad. See, you know what the thing about a slide is? A slide is fun. Right? I mean, a slide is fun, isn't it? Can we just be honest? Sin is fun. You're not supposed to say that, Pastor. That's the truth. If sin wasn't so fun, we wouldn't have a big problem with it. If sin tasted like Brussels sprouts instead of Krispy Kreme, we wouldn't have a problem with it, right? I mean, let's just be honest. We have a problem with sin because it's fun. And it is fun to slide into it for a while. Then you hit the bumps. Then you wind up at the bottom of the slide broken and bruised, and you're thinking, what happened? What used to be fun is not fun anymore. I'm at the bottom of the slide bleeding. It's because we settle in. And we, we allow the culture to just make us placated. So for you today, what is it that you're well-adjusted with? What is it that you have settled into maybe right now you're just like ah that's not a big deal It's not a big That's that's how it becomes a big deal is because we say it's not a big deal what is that for you? stand with me this morning God's goal is not just to get you out of Egypt he must also get Egypt out of you Jesus said this you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free so for us, it may be us realizing, God, who am I? God, who, who have you made me? You did not make me to be this person just to slide into this culture that has got its grips on me. You did not make me just to be a person to slide into this pattern and this way of life, and, and now I'm changing a little at a time, a little at a time, and, and I don't even recognize myself anymore. And so it may be time to start rehearsing the story. Who am I really? God, who did you create me to be in the beginning? Because maybe what I'm looking at in the mirror is not it. And maybe I need to be honest, find some humility and realize I don't have it all together. Maybe my worst problem is me. Heads bowed the sword. So, Lord, we come today and we take an honest look at our life we take an honest look at these things that maybe it's very easy for us to settle into. These things where it's very easy for us to just kind of slide into and we don't even think about it. Just because it, it just it feels good. It is just it just feels like a life that, that has has a lot of joy in it, maybe, and it's got a lot of pleasure in it, and it just it just feels good, Lord. And we get distracted. We not only get distracted, we, we forget who we really are. And we become someone different. We become someone that you never intended for us to be. And we become slaves of patterns of thinking. We become slaves of our culture. We become slaves of substances. But, Lord, today you have not created us to be slaves. You have created us for freedom. It is for freedom that you have made us.